Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. And today is episode 33. We are going to be taking a look at verse Mark 11:24, and I am reading from the NRSV version. And so this is a wonderful verse. I bet you have heard it before. But we are going to dive in just a little bit deeper, and I think it's great to do that. So here we go. It says, "So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours." I love this. It's absolutely wonderful. So let's start on it. The first part of this verse says, "So I tell you." That is God speaking directly to us. The entire Bible is God speaking to us. It's it's a letter to mankind. It's a contract between mankind and our God, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Bible is also a covenant. We have multiple covenants, and we also have multiple promises from God. So all of God's word is holy. So when he's speaking to us, which is throughout the entire Bible, it's pretty serious. And right here, we hear just how serious it is. Because I look at it this way. Let's say, for example, you're going into a meeting with your boss, and your boss looks at you right before you walk through the door and says, "So I'm telling you." Wouldn't that get your attention? You'd be like, "Okay, am I getting fired or am I getting promoted?" It's like it's a serious thing to say, right? But it's to get our attention. So it says, "So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer." I love that because that tells me right there. that we are supposed to be going to God in prayer all the time. Doesn't matter what our how how small our request is, how large it is, the seriousness of it or maybe just something not super serious but maybe we need help with it. It doesn't matter how serious or non-serious your situation is, God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you multiple times a day. Now that doesn't mean being a Bible thumper, never leaving your house, not communicating with people or not being a part of society because that's not how we're made as human beings. We are made to be involved in each other's lives. We are made for community, we are made for communion, we were made for stewardship, right? Those things are very important to us as human beings. But above all, God wants relationship with you and I, and it's on a one-on-one basis. Like my relationship with God is completely different than your relationship with God and vice versa. Because even though God knows all of us individually, he knows all of us as a whole in terms of hey, we live on this planet Earth, he still loves us on an individual basis. And he knows us on an individual basis. You know, it's kind of like when you have a best friend. Typically, we only have one best friend. If everybody you know in your life or all your friends are your best friend, I got news for you. You're being used for probably food, money, or alcohol. Because if you have that many best friends, I think that's just kind of ridiculous. And you're just wearing yourself thin, and you're allowing yourself to be used. You should only have one best friend. You can have as many good friends and acquaintances as you want, but you just need to be careful who's your best friend. Well, when it comes to God. We don't need to be careful with God because he loves us. God's not a liar. The devil is the liar, not God. He always tells us the truth. He always has our back and he always loves us. And just from this verse it says, "So I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer." So when it says, "Whatever you ask for in prayer," what that means is and what it tells me is that there's action there, meaning that yes, God knows what we want and yes, he can bless us with it, but he wants to hear from us. He wants us to acknowledge him. And that's a wonderful thing because you you have fellowship with God. And when you go to God in prayer, he feels even closer to you even though he never left you. It's just that, you know, relationships they take work. I can't think of a single relationship that's easy. I just can't think of one. I don't think I don't think a relationship is easy. I'm not saying it should be hard or difficult or miserable. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that there has to be effort. I think one of the mistakes that the Christian church has made is that you know we you kind of have two extremes or you have multiple extremes actually within the Christian church but there's this one extreme that well God knows what I want I don't need to go to him I don't need to talk to him I don't need to ask that is so wrong because you are basically turning your back on God and you're cocky and arrogant and that's not what God wants at all like God is very much against the the proud and when I say the proud I don't mean that You know, like when you take pride in your work, 
God loves it when you take pride in your work. What he's talking about when he's talking about the proud is when someone's haughty or a snob or thinks they're better than somebody else or worse, they think they're better than God or, you know, go so far as to deny God's existence. And it's like, you know, I don't understand how people can deny the existence of God when we exist. Like each and every single one of us was created for a reason. It wasn't just some mad experience or experiment, sorry, experiment, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't just some mad experiment, gone bad or good. And it wasn't because just some cells came together and, you know, one of our ancestors crawled out of the water on its belly. Like that's not our history at all as the human race. We were made in the divine image of Almighty God. So for us to think of ourselves in any other way, especially how humans are created, I think is very degrading to the human race. Because if you think that we evolved, then you're basically saying that we're no different than animals. When we are different, we have a soul. We we have emotions far more important than animals. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love cats, you know, I like dogs, but I prefer cats myself, but you know, I know that a cat can't necessarily hold down a job, not like a person. A dog cannot hold down a job. Like we 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 have different responsibilities in this world. And plus humans are at the top of the food chain. Like it doesn't make sense to me how someone can say that we evolved from XYZ animal or species. And it's like, well, why is it what I don't understand is it's Why is it that we evolved all the way up to the top of the food chain but nobody else did evolve to the top of the food chain? Like we're number 1. Like I I don't think that's an accident and I don't think that's darwinism. I think it's because God put us in charge. Like we technically are supposed to be good stewards of this planet. Like we're given a conscience, we're given a soul. No one else on the face of this earth in terms of um how are this in terms of nature in terms of plant life bug life animal life we are the only species on this planet mankind as a soul we're the only ones that have a conscience we are the only ones that know right from wrong and god gave us that ability and plus when jesus came down to this earth died for us at calvary saved us from our sins saved us from the pit of hell he didn't save the animals Animals don't have souls and plus animals don't sin. They have personalities for sure. Like I can tell you so many stories about the cats I've had over the years. I mean hilarious stories. I I I love my cats. They're just every single one of them is unique, just like a person. But I know that not a single one of my cats has a soul. And when Jesus came down here and died for us, he didn't die for my cat. because my cat is not in covenant and never was in covenant with almighty god so there's some people that put way too much emphasis on the importance of animals and they equate animal life with the same value of human life that doesn't mean it's demeaning or any way and i'm about to sneeze so hold on just a second okay i'm back i apologize about that the wind is blowing really hard outside i i live in oklahoma and sometimes it picks up a lot of dirt and i have the windows open in my apartment and i guess some dust blew in and it really bothered my allergies so my apologies for having to pause there for a moment but here's the thing mankind we were we were the only ones created in the image of god even angels were not created in the image of god only mankind was made in the image of god that's one reason why the devil and his fallen angels his stupid goons why they hate us because We were made in the image of God like we are basically above them. And we are really very much above Satan and his goons because they're fallen, we are not. We are God's prized possession, so don't ever sell yourself short or think that you're not important. Don't ever do that. I mean, you're you're letting the devil win the war in your mind if you think you're not worthy or you're not important or that God doesn't exist. or you know all the answers are in science and medicine and you know science and medicine have wonderful answers they do i mean god gave us science and modern medicine but those things are not supposed to replace god because you know when someone gives you a gift that doesn't mean 
that the gift becomes more important than the person that gave it to you. Because that would not be good stewardship if you made the gift more important than the giver kind of thing. But anyway, so back to this verse. It says, so I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer. Again, there's action there. Meaning God expects us to go to him with our request so he can help us, right? The next part of the verse says, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Okay, so the last part of this verse says, believe that you have received it. So believe is present tense. Received is past tense. Now right here it tells me that when we are going to God in prayer, we need to activate our faith. We need to have active faith. Not no faith, not lack of faith, not mediocre faith, not eh, I might believe I might not. No, it's active faith. It means that you believe and you believe wholeheartedly, okay? The other word is received. Believe that you have received it. Received is past tense. So what this verse is telling us is that when we go to God in prayer, in that moment we are praying in the present tense, right? And we are believing in the present tense. Like we believe that God is good, he is true to his word, and he is going to answer our prayer. The other part of this verse says, believe you have received it. Received is past tense. That's very important. Because what we are required to do as Christian believers is we are required based on our faith in Christ Jesus we are required to believe that when we pray about something that we have already received it because it's past tense so say for example i go to god and say god i need a better job i thank you for helping me find a better job and i look forward to it and i thank you that i'm going to make double or triple more than i'm making right now i'm going to have an amazing boss i'm going to love what i do and i thank you in the mighty name of jesus amen What that tells me, like for example, at that prayer, if you're going by what this verse says, which we should be going by it because it's from God's holy word, right? The moment I prayed that prayer, it was already answered, meaning past tense. So, I've already received my blessing. I've already received the promise of God on that. I've already received an answer to my prayer. I've already received the job. And you're probably thinking, well, if you're receiving it, then why hasn't it happened? Here's the thing. God is in control of time and space, right? We know that to be true. Just because something looks like it hasn't come to pass right now doesn't mean it hasn't already come to pass in the future and that Jesus hasn't already paid the price. <coughs> Excuse me. Because Jesus did already pay the price for everything. over 2000 years ago at the cross at Calvary. So that's past tense. The battle has already been won. So, let's say for example, I need a better job, I need to make double or triple the money I'm making. That's no big deal to God. You're probably thinking, "What? No big deal." Exactly. It is no big deal. What seems like a huge thing to us is minuscule to God. Because He created the entire planet. He created the entire solar system, the universe, all these different galaxies. He created you, he created me, he created diamonds, emeralds, all the plant life, all the animals. He created oxygen. Can you imagine that he actually created the air that we breathe? If he can do that, what makes you think he can't get you a job and a better job and make way more money? because money is important. And you might be, you know, let me say this. You might be one of these Christians who's been taught wrong. And I understand where you're coming from because I've been there. You've been taught that money is evil. Money is not evil, it's currency. That's all money is, it's currency. It's the love of money that is evil. Because if you love something more than God, then you are replacing God. You're technically worshiping it. And that's called idolatry. That's why in the Bible it says you're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your being. Like God comes first. Everything else falls into place when you put God first. So it doesn't matter what hardship you're going through because God is going to get you out of that hardship and he's going to bless you. If not sevenfold, 50fold, 100fold return on that suffering. 
And it took me a long time to understand that. But whatever the devil does to you, whatever he does to steal from you, hurt you, harm you, you know, mentally, physically, psychologically, distress you, he has to pay for that. And he's already paying for it in hell. But guess what? The coals in hell, in hell get a little hotter and the fires get a little brighter down there in hell whenever he comes after you or me. Because his punishment is not over. The victory has been won. The battle has been won. But his punishment, he has eternal punishment for what he did and for what he is still doing. So just know that whatever you're going through, all you have to do is go to God. Tell him exactly what's going on, just like how I'm speaking to you right now. And believe that you have received the answer to your prayer. Now I want to mention this. I've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth mentioning again. The worst thing you can do is lift up a wimpy, whiny prayer or a doubter's prayer or even a hateful prayer. But I think the worst ones are the wimpy, whiny prayers. And I'll give an example. Dear God, please heal me of this plague, but only if it be your will, Lord. If it's your will for me to die, then I'll die. But if it's your will for me to live, I'll live. That kind of prayer. I mean, you talk about a sucky prayer. Here's the thing. What makes you think that God can't heal you or help you in, in any and every way? There are two words that I wish would be, well, actually several words, but in regards to this example, I wish there were two words that would be completely banished from the English language, and especially from prayer life, and that's the word if and the word but. But if it be your will, Lord, it is his will. Read the Bible. It has always been his will for his people to prosper and to be blessed. You might be thinking, well, Leslie, I'm not one of his people. I've been atheist for so long. That's not true. That's not true at all. You were not atheist before you knew about being atheist. You were not atheist in the womb. You were not atheist before you were born. See, what sometimes we forget is that God knew us before we were even formed in the womb. Like the decisions that we make later on in life, that's not the decision we have been making our entire lifetime. Much less for eternity. So just know that our decisions are very important. At the same time, being that decisions are important, we also need to know the facts. And the fact is, you are a child of God. Even if you're an atheist or agnostic or Buddhist or Muslim or whatever is outside Christianity, you are one of God's children. And it breaks his heart if you do not believe in him or if you are turning your back on him because he loves you. He's, he provided this planet for us. That means for you and for me. It's not just me. It's not just you. It's for all of us and for all mankind. I mean, what a treasure that is. That's why we are supposed to be extremely good stewards of the planet, like not pollute our oceans, not create Superfund sites. And in case you're not aware, a Superfund site is a basically a nuclear toxic waste dump or something that's so hazardous to human life that the federal government has had to section it off just to try and clean it up. Now, in case you're not aware, I have another podcast called The Endurance of Labor Laws. I host that show as well. And I'm going through all the different Superfund sites that are across the United States. Well, as many as I can find, actually, because not all of them are listed. But as of right now, there are over 40,000 Superfund sites littered across the United States. They're hazardous waste dumps or they're hazardous places where hazardous materials were dumped or created or just abandoned whether it's a mine and I'm not against mining but sometimes mining is not what you think it is it's not always for just for coal or something you know there there's different types of mining out there and so just FYI we're supposed to be good stewards of this planet like technically The fact that we have super fun sites in the United States is living outside of God's covenant because we should have never been destroying our 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 planet. Now mind you, I'm not dissing the United States. The United States is actually one of the cleanest most productive countries on the planet. 
We are not polluters like what other countries say that we are. We are not. The top two polluters and the top two countries that do not care about what they do to our planet, especially to harm it, is India and China. But no one calls them out on it. And if they do call them out on it, then they, point, they try and point the finger at everybody else sometimes. Or maybe they just don't want to be responsible. But, you know, here's the problem is that both India and China have a lot of human rights violations. So why am I not surprised that if they don't value human life the way that you're supposed to, why would I think that they would value our environment and our planet? And why would I think that they're going to take care of it the way that we are supposed to? See, because here's the thing. There are, there are a lot of pagan religions that are being practiced in India. Some of them very gruesome and grotesque. Like there are so many things we don't know about over there. I mean, it's pretty bad. So... Whenever someone is practicing a pagan religion, you can, you can be pretty sure or take it to the bank that there's going to be a whole lot of other problems. And that's one reason why India has so much poverty, lack, and disease, and distress. is because it's not a Christian country. What makes America great and one of the best countries on the planet is that we are truly Christian. The downside to all this... <coughs> excuse me. Let me get a... cup of juice. Hold on just a second. I'll talk and walk while I'm walking to the kitchen. But here's the thing. One of the things that makes the United States such a wonderful country is that we were founded on true freedom in Christ Jesus because even on our currency it says in God we trust. So if we trust in God, then we shouldn't have worry, fear or doubt, right? Excuse me, but here's the thing. There is no way that that the United States would have ever been founded as a country If we had been founded by a bunch of heathens or pagans, which is what is going on in India, and in the outskirts of the villages in China. Now you're probably thinking, now Leslie, why would you say that? And it's very simple because it's true. There are so many false religions out there, and some of them are cults. And that's where a lot of these human rights violations are coming from. And they're usually really horrible to women, infant, and children. And it's really sad because whenever you have a cult or a false doctrine being preached or teached, it is always women and children and infants that suffer the most. And I'm not going to go into gruesome um, examples of that because it, it, I don't want this podcast to be about that because I think it would be too much to talk about right now. But here's the thing. My point is this. Whatever you practice is where your belief is. Now, here's the other thing. There are some people that will make excuses for other people that do not practice Christianity and they make excuses for their behavior. Here's the thing. If someone's not behaving appropriately, it's our job as Christians to call them out on it. And that doesn't mean in a bad, hateful, or evil way, not by any means. Because how can we set the example if we are not the example? Like, it's kind of like one of those things, what's that phrase? Do as I say, not do as I do. That's not who we are as Christian believers. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to do what we say, right? We're supposed to be people of our word. So here's the thing. I think sometimes Christians, they make excuses for other cultures because they go, well, that's just how they live. They're over there. We're over here. You know, that is true. They're over there in their country and we're over here. But still, that doesn't excuse the fact of the human rights violations that they are committing, and especially to women and children. So it's one of those things that, you know, if you haven't read the Old Testament, or at least not a long time, you need to reread it, especially in the book of Deuteronomy. Well, Genesis, for sure. I guess I would say you need to read... I would say, first of all, read the entire Bible. But if you don't want to read the entire Bible, for sure read the Old Testament. If you don't want to read the Old Testament, for, for sure read the Torah, which is, I think, the first five or six books of the Bible. And if you're not interested in that, or if you think that's a bit much, don't worry about it. Read Genesis and or Deuteronomy, because those are really good starting points to read about what God wants for us in our life and who we are supposed to associate with. And who we are not supposed to associate with. And I don't mean that harshly, not by any means. But whoever you associate with is who you become. And sometimes 
whoever you associate with is who you allow to indoctrinate you. That's why God was very strict with the Israelites, also known as the Hebrews. He warned them about intermarrying with other cultures that do not believe in the one true God and that practice all these false religions and false doctrines because false religions and false doctrines will pull you away from your heavenly father and that's just how it always is. And so needless to say the Israelites they start worshiping some really horrible idols and pagan gods and one of them was I think it's the god of Baal or Baal B A A L I forget how to pronounce that but they had child sacrifice to that I mean it's unbelievably sick I mean it's it's just horrible like you would think that God's holy people would know not to kill their own children and sacrifice it to a statue but because they intermarried with some very pagan people they lost their way over time it's not always immediate but we need to be careful what we're practicing because what we're practicing is how we live and what we tolerate and what we accept to be true so you know what's interesting is that these false religions when they pull us away from god it hinders our prayer life because false religions and false gods they can't answer a single one of our prayers so why would you go to an idol or go to someone or something that has no power whatsoever when you can go to your heavenly father and he has all power all authority like go to someone that can help you and so this is what this verse is talking about when it's talking about going to your heavenly father in prayer but it says so i tell you whatever you ask for in prayer believe that you have received it and the last part says and it will be yours that's a guarantee so whatever you ask for you will receive it Now some of you might say, "Well, Leslie, I asked for 50 million dollars." Well, here's what happens with prayers like that. God examines our heart, and he's never going to give us something that either A was not a genuine request or if there was an ulterior motive or if it's something that we can't handle. So if you're asking for 50 million dollars, also ask for wisdom. because it would be very foolish to be foolish. And that probably sounds you know like a easy thing to say or hey that's pretty obvious Leslie, but here's the thing, a lot of people don't realize that your intention needs to match your wants, your desires, your hopes, your dreams. You're like for example, let's say you want to get promoted. but only because you don't want your co-worker you don't want your co-worker to get that job. That's not a good prayer. That's not the right reason. You should want to get promoted because you want to you want to work hard this. You want to have really good work, you want to make more money and you want to be an even more important asset to your employer. Like there's a difference with the motives there. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Let me get a drink real quick. Hold on. Okay. So God does want you to be rich. There's nothing wrong with money. Nothing at all. And if you have been told that money's bad or if you go to a church that doesn't believe in being rich, guess what? You're going to be poor every day of your life. You're going to die broke and you will not have access to the medical care that you deserve. You just won't. Like when when you're broke, you got nothing. You got nothing. Who likes that? Nobody. Like why throw your life away on a lie when you can have the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus never condemned money. He never condemned that cuz guess what? Money is a blessing from God and who is God? That's his father. You know God loves to bless his people. He loves to bless his children. So if you're in a church that, you know, promotes being sick or doesn't think you deserve to be healed, you need to walk right out of that building and never go back. And you may have friends there, but let me tell you, when you walk away from 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 a uh, false religion like that, be prepared for people to to snub you, turn their back on you. 
and not ever want to speak to you again. And the reason for that is that sometimes people are so stubborn, they're stupid. They they're they're so stuck in poverty mindset that they don't want anybody to have more than them. It's technically a form of envy and jealousy. Like I can't tell you how many times I was friends with someone and the moment my life started going really well, that person would do everything they could to be negative towards me and make it seem like I didn't deserve what I got or just didn't want me to see the goodness of God in it at all. And you know what? I'm not friends with those people anymore cuz you know if I want to be if I want to be miserable, I can do that on my own. Like I don't need help with that. I but you know I want to be sure that I'm around people that are positive, uplifting, believe in the goodness of God, believe that my life is worth living and that you know I deserve to be rich. I deserve a palace. I deserve a wonderful marriage. I deserve beautiful children. I I deserve five-star treatment in my healthcare. If I want to stay at a five-star hotel, I'm going to stay at a five-star hotel and I deserve it. Why? Because I'm worthy. Not because I'm better than anybody, but because I'm worthy. I'm a child of God. Like wh- why would I be okay with anything that is outside of God's covenant? Why would I tolerate anything that is less than God's best? See, I did that for years. I just lived life just not necessarily by the seat of my pants, cuz I wouldn't say I'm like extremely adventurous or anything, not by any means, but I just kind of accepted things for what they were. I didn't know that I could pray for things to be better and to achieve better things. I I wasn't taught that way. I wasn't trained that way as a little girl, especially not in the religion I was raised in. It was a very negative religion. And I have no doubt there are some people there that they meant well, but you know, the doctrine was wrong. And here's the thing, if your doctrine and your theology is wrong, it doesn't matter what how good your intentions are, you're still wrong and you're leading people astray. Cuz for the longest time I had a horrible opinion of God. I really hated him. I hated him. Many times I I, I hate to say it's my curse that God And that breaks my heart I ever did that. I mean, I I have repented of that and you have been forgiven, but it's just what I find interesting about God is that he is extremely patient, especially with the unbeliever, especially with the doubter, especially with Christians that are angry, which would have been me at that time. Um I was a lost sheep. I really was. cuz I didn't know I could trust my shepherd which is Jesus Christ. I wasn't taught that Jesus was kind or loving. I was raised in a religion where we were told that God hates us and he's trying to kill us. I'm like, "Well, why would I believe or pray to someone that just wants to kill me?" Like that's dumb. Like I I'm no stupid peasant. I'm not going to put up with that. I mean, I was going to use another word, but I'm not going to put up with that stuff, right? And then it dawned on me as an adult, "Hey, something is really not right here like i was always questioning what i was raised in but when i really started to read the bible on my own and form my own conclusions and the right conclusions because i'm i'm relying on god i'm not relying on my understanding at all because i know that the religion i was raised in was not accurate and i don't want to rely on the bitterness that had grown in my heart over the years because bitterness will never give you the right answer so i had to pray about it And I just asked God to open my heart and to forgive me for the doubt, the bitterness, the cursing, the anger, the the impatience, the just the frustration of life. I mean, I was really frustrated. And God was so patient with me and he is still patient with me. I'm way better off now than I was years ago. But my point is this is that when I went to God in prayer, first of all, I knew that he existed. But secondly, I realized that I had to believe in my prayer request. And I had to believe that God is real, which I already knew that. I already knew he was real, but I had to believe that he was actually going to help me. Because prior to saying those type of prayers where I actually meant it and I believed that I would receive what I what I requested, I didn't know what I was going to get. I didn't actually believe I was going to receive the answer to my prayer because I thought God hated me. I just thought, "Hey, if something 
if I actually received my miracle or if I actually received what I prayed for, I just thought it was by luck or by chance or maybe God was just in a good mood that day. How wrong I was. That is not the right way to view our heavenly father at all. So just know that whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. Like you can have that confidence because that's a promise from almighty God. And let me say this, if you are atheist or agnostic, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain by believing in your heavenly father because he has been waiting for you. He can't wait to bless you above and beyond what you have already been blessed with. I kid you not. He will do amazing things in your life, and it doesn't matter what it is, where it's spiritual, physical, financial, mental, psychological, whatever the case may be. And I want to mention this about psychological stuff and emotional distress. I'm all for getting mental help when and if you need it, but you also need to go to your heavenly father first because I think sometimes people over-rely on therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists and then if all you ever do is talk about your problems instead of what you want, then all you're doing is enabling your problem. You're just focusing on what you don't like instead of what you want. If you focus on what you want, then that's how you will see the blessing of God. But if all you ever focus on is the problems in your life, that doesn't mean you can't handle them, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes you need to be careful who you open up to. Because just because someone is a licensed therapist or psychologist or psychiatrist, that doesn't mean they love you or care about you. And I say that with caution. I mean, I understand there's some people, you know, maybe they have schizophrenia or things like that. There are more serious than I'm talking about but that need medication things like that but even in those cases you know if I had a relative that's schizophrenia for sure I would tell them to stay on their medication but at the same time I would pray for healing for them that they be healed of that situation because you know what God can heal anything and everything he raises people from the dead what makes you think he can't heal heal your relative of schizophrenia or depression or anxiety or fear or your bipolar disorder or multiple personality disorder God can heal anything and everything you know let's say you're frustrated with your job let's say for example you've been doing the same thing for like 20 years right it proved to be successful back in the day but maybe it's just not the same as what it was now maybe technology has changed maybe you're working with younger people yes they're fun to be around but it's it's not the same as being around someone who's closer to your age and maybe you just feel like you're the old person in the room even though you know you might look really attractive and everything but you just feel old compared to them well you know what you need to do you need to ask God to introduce you to people that you feel comfortable around and that you can relate to because here's the thing it's easy to be superficial it's easy to put a smile on your face and be nice to people but here's the thing underneath that layer is unhappiness because you're not you're not finding true fellowship if you're having to fake it all the time you know what i mean like there's that phrase you got to fake it to make it that's not true there are times you can use that to your advantage but i would encourage you you know if you have to fake it to make it then you're missing out on your true calling in life and i think that's what makes people depressed and really sad so i think if if every single one of us focuses on what we truly want like what really makes you smile what really makes you happy just know that's no accident that xyz makes you feel really happy and it's what you've always wanted to do those are things that god put in your heart and nobody else's heart and he wants you to fulfill your hopes and your dreams and he can help you with that And here's another thing. You are never too old to accomplish something new or to fulfill your hopes, your dreams and your destiny. I mean, I say you're not old until you're like 120. Cuz you know what? I went to the mall. Oh gosh, this was a while ago. I went to a, to a mall and I was just walking, I was just window shopping. I just wanted to get out and walk but not be outside cuz it was bad weather out. So I go to the mall and these mall walkers who were elderly like senior citizens, right? They were out walking me and I'm 38. 
And you know what? They just whizzed past me. I just was, I was so taken aback. I mean, I got out of their way. I mean, they were, they were bulldozers. I mean, it was impressive. And I was just like, whoa, I need to up my game. I mean, and I'm not out of shape, not by any means, but it just really impressed me what they could do, <laughs> how fast they were walking. And just the, the glow of their skin, they're, they're happy, they're healthy. I mean, a couple of them had a scowl on their face, but I think it's because me and some other young people were in their way while they were walking. And, you know, we didn't realize that we were in their lane of traffic, you know, at the mall. But what I'm saying is this, you're as old as you think you are, you know what I mean? Within reason. Like, let's say, for example, you're close to 50 And you're around a bunch of young people and you're trying to correlate with them. You know what? Stop trying to correlate with them. You're not their age. I mean, can you get along with them? Sure. Can you hang out with them? Sure. Can you have lunch with them? Of course you can. But here's the thing. You need to be around people that I would say that was, I would say within maybe 11 to 12 years of your age range. Because I think if you get around people that are more than 13 years younger than you, you're going to have a very difficult time having true, fellow, true fellowship or a meaningful relationship. I mean, you can always, how do I describe this? I don't mean this harshly, listeners, but let me put it this way. You can, always buy, you can always buy company, but you can't buy true friendship and you can't buy love. And I'm not saying that anybody's buying a person and anybody's trying to buy a relationship, but, but my point is this. True fellowship and true love is intangible and it shouldn't be difficult it shouldn't give you anxiety it shouldn't be superficial it shouldn't be tick for tack and here's the thing if if your age difference bothers you then that's a hint that something's bothering you like just literally And so what I would do in that situation is I would go to God, even if I wasn't a believer. You know, here's the thing. God is, God is a great therapist, and he's free. He doesn't charge your insurance. He doesn't charge you a copay. And here's the thing. He has every medication that you need, and it's free. And there are no side effects to his medication. And you know what his medication is? Love, grace, and healing. Those are his three prescriptions for you. And guess what? No side effects. They don't cost thousands of dollars. You don't have to take a pill. You don't have to take an injection. You don't have to get an IV influ- an infusion. Excuse me. And guess what? It's free. Now, I'm not for socialism, and I'm not for socialized medicine. I'm not saying that at all, because I believe in capitalism. Full, you know, full bore capitalism, because I know from being a woman that it's only in capitalistic countries where women have pretty close to equal rights, have voting rights, can own property, can get a really good job, make just as much money as a man or more money than a man. Anything outside of capitalism, women are screwed. Pardon my bluntness there, but that's just how it is. And that's why the United States does so well. And here's another thing. A lot of countries, when they do not practice capitalism, a lot of their women are not even allowed to go to school. It's very sexist and piggish and just horrible. I'm just like, wow, that is so outside of God's covenant to treat women like that because women are a gift to men. We technically were made as a one and only partner for one man. We were never supposed to be used and abused. We were never supposed to be sold for sex. Nothing like that. And we were never supposed to be degraded and viewed as, well, your labor is not as good as a man, so we're only going to pay you, you know, a fourth of what a man makes. Talk about a cold slap in the face. God never shortchanges anyone. So why should mankind do that to somebody? It just doesn't make sense to me because shortchanging someone is way out of line and it's outside of God's covenant. But anyway... To close up this podcast, this episode, because I don't want to go too long here. Here's the thing. I don't care what religion or denomination you are, or let's say you don't practice anything. Go to God with everything. Give him a chance. 
And let's say you don't believe in God. Use him as a therapist. He's free. And he can heal you. Wouldn't that be great? And let me say this to those that are listening that maybe you have a chronic illness or maybe you just got a really bad medical report and the doctors are like, well, you, you got this amount of time to live. You know what? Let that roll right off your back. They, they may have good intentions, which to me would not be a good intention to try and limit someone's life, even verbally. But anyway, I know that they're just looking at the science. But you know what's great about God is that he is above the science. He's in heaven. And he has the answer to your situation, to your problem. So you know, let me give this as, as an example. Let's say, for example, you're, you're in your 40s or 50s. You make a lot of money. You're super attractive. You can date whoever you want, whenever you want, because of your success. And you've been given a really horrible medical diagnosis. And you don't believe in God at all. And you don't know what to do. And you just found out you've lost everything financially. All your money is gone. And you've lost your health care benefits. You've lost everything. And now you have found out you're really ill. Do not give up on yourself. Do not dwell on your problem, even though it's a big one. Regardless of how big your problem is, I have wonderful news for you. You have a God that is far larger than everything I just said right there. All those issues, all those problems. Because even if you haven't been serving your God, and he still is your God, even if you don't believe in him, even if you haven't talked to him in a long time, he is still your heavenly father because a father never abandons his children, never. You can walk away, but your father will always welcome you with open arms. Always, always and forever. That's the love of your heavenly father. And your heavenly father can swat every single problem and issue you have like a fly. Because everything that I just mentioned is outside of the covenant of God, and that means it has no place or bearing in your life. So you need to hope for the best, forget about the worst. And I can speak from experience on this. I can definitely speak from experience on this. It is possible to live a new life again. It is possible to be happy. It is so possible. And it is possible to be healed of anything and everything that you have going on with you. And here's another thing. If someone has stolen a bunch of money from you or maybe swindled you, guess what? Go to God with that. Because technically, God is our heavenly financial banker. He saw everything that happened to you. He saw who swindled you. He, he knows who lied to you. He knows. He knows who was deceitful with you. Guess what? He will go after them like a pit bull on a rabbit. I don't know how else to describe it, but I mean, here's the thing. Our Heavenly Father, He takes it very seriously when someone wrongs one of His children. And if you're one of these people that thinks that, no, I'm not one of God's children, that is a lie straight out of the depths of hell. And you, you need to stop talking that way. And you may be thinking, well, I'm just saying what I know. Guess what? That may be what you know, but it's not the truth. You need to get to know your Heavenly Father. And I want to mention this. If you need someone to pray with you or for you, message me. There's a message link or a contact me button on my podcast. And if it's not there or if it doesn't show up on your phone, because I don't know if it ever acts funky on iPhones or droids, you can always message me anytime. I'll give you my cell. And I mean this, seriously. Contact me anytime. You can just text me and say, hey, I, I heard your podcast. Can you please pray for me? And just say in so many words or even a big old long paragraph, whatever you need help with, just text me or call me. My cell phone is 405-314-1119. Again, that's 405-314-1119. And let's say, for example, you really want someone to pray for you, but you don't want to 
you don't want to text it out. You don't want to do that. That's okay. I understand. Sometimes the touch screen on my phone doesn't always work the best. So if you want, you can text me your name and number, and I'll message you back. And I can always do a Zoom link call. We can always talk via Zoom. I think that's great. I've done that before in business meetings, and also meetings outside of business. I think it's great because you get to see the person and you get to hear their voice as well, and with more clarity on a Zoom call. And plus, it's a little more private, so you never know with that. So that's always a good thing. So I just want to open that up to you guys because I know sometimes life is really hard, and whatever you need help with, if you need someone to pray for you or pray with you, I will do that. Because see, here's the thing: when two or three are gathered and they lift up a prayer to heaven, it's already answered. Because we know that from that verse, so I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. There is power in prayer. Now, now that's not to say that if you pray on your own, that just because it's just you, that your prayer won't be answered. That's not what that means at all. It's just that you know, it's kind of like when, let's say, for example, you are fighting a war. It's easier. To win a battle, if you have more people on your side than who's on the enemy side, right? Like in terms of numbers. But that doesn't mean that just because you have less numbers on your side, that doesn't mean that you still can't win the fight. Because remember, I think it's um, is it the the three hundred? It's a really good movie. It's about three hundred uh, Spartans that uh, defeat the Persians. Uh, is it the Mopoli? I might be mispronouncing it. My, if I haven't said a word in a long time, I forget how to say it sometimes. But my point is this: don't ever give up. Because I've been there. I've been there where I wanted to give up, and sometimes it felt like I was the only one praying for myself, and it felt like I was the only one praying for me. And sometimes it was. Because, you know, the reason why I open up to you that you can contact me any time, day or night. I'm always by my phone. The reason why I open that up to you is because I know what it's like to feel like people don't believe in you, or they don't believe you're worthy to have a wonderful life, or they don't think you're worthy to have a healing. Well, here's the thing: even when I was praying alone and I and I was by myself, and there were some people that abandoned me, you know, God bless them, I forgive them, and God will help them, and He will forgive them. But here's the thing: even though I, there were times in my life that I was praying on my own and I was very isolated and did not feel very good, I was wrong in that I was not really alone because I had the Father, I had the Son, I had the Holy Spirit, and I had my guardian angel. That's four people right there, or four individuals. And if you include me, that makes five. So it means I had five individuals on my side every single time I was praying. And I didn't realize that until I really dove into God's holy word even more than I usually do, because I needed substance. I, I needed, I needed nourishment, and I just wasn't getting it from some of the relationships in my life. And I wasn't getting that nourishment at the church I was going to at the time, so I had to switch churches. And I asked God to introduce me to really good, kind people. You know, people that are on 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 my side. And also that are on the side of God, and that they really understand what it's like when life gets tough. Guess what? Life gets tough, but God is tougher. That's why I tell people, well, God can swat that like a fly. So, so let's pray that we've already got our answer. We, we've already won the battle. Because guess what? We have already won the battle. The battle was won over two thousand years ago at Calvary on the cross, when our Savior died for us and saved us. See, sometimes what Christians forget is that Jesus bore all of our sickness, our diseases, our strife, our hardships. He bore everything that was horrible and outside of the covenant of God. He bore all the curse. He bore all of that on the cross. So we shouldn't be suffering. But just because we are suffering, that doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means that we have an opportunity to succeed even more because if we're going through a hardship, that's just the devil trying to convince us that God's not real and that we're doomed 
It's doom and gloom every day. No, no, no. The sun still rises and sets. The ocean still has a tide. The rivers still flow. The birds still chirp. Our planet renews itself, even though we have some stupid humans on the face of this earth that, that pollute it, especially in India and China. But here's the thing. Even with all the bad stuff, we're still making it and we're still alive. So just know that's not over until God says it's over. And even then, he has your back. He has your back every single time. And he makes exceptions to the rule all the time. And I am living proof of that. Because, because God, let me tell you how he works on this. When he sees that Satan or one of his stupid retarded goons is targeting one of his kids again, God puts his foot down and says, no, you are not doing that to her or you're not doing that to my son. I don't care how long they've been away from the church. I don't care what they've said about me. They are still my child. Satan, get your cotton picking pants off, your cotton picking hands off of my children. And God punishes him yet again. Look at this way. Every time you're going through a hardship, God makes hell a whole lot hotter because he can't stand Satan. He can't stand him. So just know that whatever you're going through, it's a nothing. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that it's nothing for God. It is something for us, for sure. But when you focus on God, it's almost like when you're a little kid in your neighborhood, growing up in your neighborhood, and there's a bully on the block. And let's say this bully was horrible to you and hit you in the face, showed no remorse, You go running home crying with blood on your face, right? You, you just plow through the door and you go to your mom or dad and you tell them, hey, this bully just hit me in the face. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Guess what your parent does? Your parent doesn't care that you didn't make your bed or that you didn't water the lawn like you said you would. Your mom or dad says, I'll handle this. And they get up out of their chair or up off the sofa and they march out that door and they go after that bully. Back in the day, they would have spanked another person's kid, but now they could go to jail. But your parent these days would probably go to that kid's parent and be like, we got a big problem here and it needs to stop. And it stops with your kid right here, right now. We are not going to put up with us bullying. That's how God is. Now, mind you, he's not scared about getting sued. So he would have no problem at all spanking someone else's kid, for sure. But my point is this. God doesn't keep tally of all the stupid stuff you've said or done or missed out on or whatever the case may be. He doesn't use any of that against you when you're going. Well, he never uses it against you anyway. But here's the thing. He doesn't keep track of the naughty and nice list and then throw it in your face when a hardship happens and says, well, he never does this. He never says, well, if you had you know, been a believer a lot sooner or if you'd gone to church more, you know, maybe I would stand up for you. That's not how God is. God's not fickle. God doesn't care how long you've been gone from the church. He will go after your enemy and go after them quickly. And he will punish them. It doesn't matter if your enemy is a person, a disease, a feeling, a threat, anxiety, your lack of promotion, you know, a boss, uh, maybe a, a, a lawyer that you know, screwed you over on a contract, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'm not saying all lawyers are bad, but some of them are kind of squirrely, right? But here's the thing. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Where you are, where you're going, God is always there for you. And even if you just need someone to talk to that is not going to shame and blame you, and maybe you don't want to talk to a person, talk to God. Like I said, he's a great therapist. He's great. Free co-pays, free health care, and free medicine. Oh, and he doesn't shame you or blame you if you have a substance abuse problem. 
I think a lot of people could use that kind of therapist and that kind of friend. You know, and he's not going to force you to go into rehab. Because guess what? He wants to heal you right then and there. See, God doesn't need a 12-week program to get you back on your feet and to get you where you need to be. And I'm not against rehab centers, but I just think there are a lot of people that rely too much on themselves and on a broken healthcare system as opposed to relying on their heavenly father when he has all the solutions, he has all the answers. He has every single answer to your problem. All your problems. So I strongly encourage you go to him. Go to him with everything. But again, if you need someone, a real live person to pray for you and pray with you and to pray positive prayers for you, not those wimpy whiny prayers I can't stand. If you need someone that actually believes in the goodness of God to pray for you or to pray with you, contact me day or night. I will gladly do it. And it would it would be an honor to pray with you and for you. I would love to do that cuz I love to see people do well in life and to recover from whatever hardship they've gone through because I know that they are worthy of a healing. They are worthy of the good things in this life because God makes everybody for a reason. No one is a mistake. God made each and every one of us intentionally. And he intentionally created us and he intentionally loves us. So again, if you need a prayer partner, contact me anytime. There's a contact link in my podcast or you can text or call me anytime 405-314-1119. And if you want to do Zoom meetings, that's great. I would love to. Just send me your information via text. We can work it out. That's no problem at all. But until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week and God loves you. God bless. Bye-bye. Don't let this world